good morning, First Family. Isn't it good to be here today? Hey, praise the Lord for the opportunity God has given us to be together today. I want to highlight a couple of things for you before we get too far gone. As a reminder of the desire that we as a church have for you to engage in the Bible on a regular basis, we've set out two reading plans. They're in our common areas on both sides. You are more than welcome. We would plead with you to take one or maybe even both of them home with you and let this be something that you use. One is a year plan that takes you all the way through the Bible in a whole year through Psalms twice. This is a wonderful way to travel through the Bible. The other, maybe you're not ready to go that far, is a seven-day plan based on the I Am statements found in the Gospel of John and in the book of Revelation. Let me encourage you, take one or both of these and start building those healthy habits for the new year now. Before we go any further, let's just take things a little different today, shall we? It is a little bit of a different day. You see, 365 days ago we were here and it was January 1st. You remember that? Yeah, me too. I remember being here and thinking, what will 2023 be like? What will God do with us in 23? How will God move? What will my family look like? What will be the experience that we'll have as a church? This is a time that we will take to thank God for carrying us through this last year. You notice my friend Shumi and my lovely bride led us in songs about God's faithfulness. So before we begin talking about where we're going, let's thank God for where we've been. Would you just pray with me right now for that purpose? Today, Lord, we pause to remember your faithfulness to us in this last year. Seems to me, Lord, this year went by real fast. And there were a lot of things that we wondered about in January that you made clear this year. We look back and we see your faithfulness. For some of us, Lord, you carried us through sickness. For others, you delivered us through struggles. For still others, Lord, you showed yourself faithful in financial matters or in school. Today, Lord, we pause to say thank you. We would be remiss, Lord, to not acknowledge the struggles that are ongoing. We ask, God, your mercy for those who have lost loved ones in this last year. We pray for peace, Lord, in this world that you've given us. We pray for an end to the conflict in Ukraine, an end to the conflict in Israel. We know, Lord, whatever the politicians might say, you can do that with or without them. So I pray, Father God, that by the time we celebrate next New Year's Eve, those things would be in our rearview mirror. 
So now as we open your word, Lord, let us do so with the knowledge that you've already proven yourself to be who you promised you always would be. Thank you for that, Lord. And thank you that we can lean on that as we move forward into the new year. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is good, friends, to be reminded that we are not home yet. This is not our home. We're just passing through, so the song says. It was a reminder to me that this journey that we're on often has unexpected turns, things that we can't quite map out. Or maybe we're the adventurous type. My friend Barry Simpson turned me on to a couple of books this week that really grabbed my attention. (laughs) They're both written by Mr. Rinker Buck. Now, if that isn't an extraordinary name, I don't know what is. Mr. Rinker Buck, I don't know what he does for a living, but it must be lucrative because he has all kinds of free time on his hands. He was at a museum in St. Joseph, Missouri and encountered the Oregon Trail headwaters where the Oregon Trail set out to go off to Oregon. And he had a conversation with the gentleman that was working the, 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 the area that he was in. And he said, that the man that works there said, we have preserved the Oregon Trail. We have kept it mostly either on private lands or state lands, or it is a national park. The trail still exists. Wow, Rinker said, that's amazing. So it, you, you could still ride it then. The man looked back at Rinker as if he had lost his mind. Well, he swallowed hard and said, I guess you could, in theory, but no one will do that. Rinker took that as an invitation. So he went down and got a buckboard, a couple of mules, and convinced some friends to come along with him on this journey. And that's the book, The Oregon Trail. It's the story of his riding along. Now, if that sounds insane to you, Thank you for joining me in that acknowledgement. But at the same time, there's a part of me that was a little bit jealous. What kind of adventures would he find on the way? What kind of things would he experience? What would he see that the rest of us at either flying over or driving at 70, 80 miles an hour miss? Uh, It caused me to think, my dementia fired off, and it caused me to think about It's a little like the travel that we are on as a pilgrim in this world. There are adventures in 2024 that we can't see from here. They're around the corner and not very far away. There's only about 14 hours left in this year as we draw it to a close. And the new book that is waiting in 2024 has not yet been written. So we don't know. It's a good thing though that the God who is above time, outside of time, and stands supremely over time is already there. If you're one who is worried, or you're one who struggles with anxiety, then just get your notepad out right quick and write this, my God is already there. Would you just write that down somewhere? My God is already there. He is already waiting for us on the other end. That comes to mind because 
when we get to our reading today that my friend Keith read so well, we find ourselves in Jeremiah. Maybe you've forgotten your Sunday school lessons about Jeremiah. Let's rehearse them for a moment, shall we? He's called the weeping prophet. And the message that God gave him from his earliest days was not a happy one. Now, I know you have heard what Keith read a moment ago, and probably it's a verse that some of you have memorized. But I want us to be reminded that that is a moment in time that God gave him after the first 28 chapters were filled with news that wasn't necessarily good. The message was consistent. Israel, you have committed sins. You have abandoned the God who gave you the opportunity to live in this land. And now God is going to sweep you away into captivity. For 70 years, you will live in captivity. This moment in time is a difficult one. But, verse 29 says, or chapter 29 says, it's not the last word. It's not the final word. There's hope yet ahead. God is calling Jeremiah and the people of God and thereby us to a new year, a new way of thinking and a new opportunity, maybe one that we wouldn't choose. You see, let's start here because it's where Jeremiah begins. He, God is asking our friend Jeremiah and the people of God time and thereby us to be flexible. Flexible. Thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I'll visit you and I'll fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Now, pause right there for a second and, and imagine this with me. Wouldn't it be tempting to say, hey God, instead of making that long trip and you being put out to bring me back, why don't we just stay here? Wouldn't that be easier? Yeah, but see, this is the thing. Most of the time, we learn more about God's faithfulness in the midst of a crisis than we do in the midst of success. Here's what God invites Jeremiah and us to see. In this new year, I'll follow the right call. This call, it may take me to places I didn't want to go. I wouldn't have chosen to go. It would have taken me some places that are difficult and broken, some paths that are hard, but it is a call to him, call to God, calling. So in the days before caller ID, a young lady had encountered a new boyfriend and she got his phone number a little bit wrong when she wrote it down. She called and said, is Robert there? Female voice on the other end said, he's in the shower right now. The girlfriend responded, please tell him his girlfriend called. She hung up. When he didn't return the call, the woman called again. The girlfriend did and said, I asked for Robert to call, and the female voice said, he's still in the shower, this time a little less friendly. Finally, Robert called back, and the girlfriend said, you're not my Robert, and he said, I know, 
Now I need you to tell my wife that I'm not your boyfriend. <laughs> Flexibility, it demands answering the right call. Now, when we encounter calls that are difficult, our feelings will lead us ways that may take us away from the direction God has. That's where flexibility comes in. It's not biblical, but I believe the maxim is, blessed are the flexible, for they will not be broken. In this new year, I'll trust God's plan in spite of my feelings about it. I will fulfill my promise to you, and I will bring you back, God said in verse 10. The difficulty is the difference between the now and the then. When we're in the now, it's right now where God is saying, I'm going to do this. When we're in the then, it's the time we want God to show us who he is, where he's already carried us through everything. Most of us live in this land of not yet, this land in between, this land between where God calls me and where God delivers me. And when we get to this place of deliverance, it's a joyous place. And when we start with a call, it's exciting and enthusiastic, but it's in this in-between that reflexibility is required. It causes us to say, God, where are you in the midst of this? Where are you? Can I trust you? Will I trust you in this new year? Verse 11 takes us another direction. It invites us to be focused. Focused on who God is and what he has done and promised to do. More to the point, who he is and has promised to be. Because as we've said multiple times, being always outstrips doing. Verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a, a future and a hope. So in this new year, I'll focus on God's authority to bring his plans to pass. If God has made this plan, then he can certainly carry it out. When we encounter then those moments of time where we struggle with, can I trust God? There are some elements that cause us to say, this isn't the path that I want. Then we arrive at a challenge. Have you ever, just for fun, invited the GPS in your car or on your phone to lead you to a destination that you already know how to get to? Just to see what route Google or Apple Maps or whoever you choose to use would take you. Many times, the route that it would choose for you is not the one you would choose for yourself. And it leaves you wondering, am I wrong or is the machine wrong? It causes us to say, what, what, what direction am I going to follow? You see, this is the, the essence of it. Because our God knows the way, because he's already there, I can trust him. And what can I trust him with? Well, let's talk about it. I can trust him with my welfare, my well-being. He knows just what I need. 
Matthew chapter 19, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 34, the end of the chapter, reminds me that the God who cares for the sparrows and the grass of the field is the same God who cares for me. I can entrust myself to his care knowing his plans are completely trustworthy. Isn't that good news? It is to me. It causes me to draw an easy breath, not a ragged one. It causes me to say, thank you God that my welfare is in your hands and not my own. My own welfare might take me places I wouldn't want to go. Oh, I might have thought I wanted to go there, but I'm better when I trust that my Father leads me, even if I might disagree for the moment. I can trust him with my welfare. Not only my current welfare, but get this, my hopeful future. I can trust him with that too. You see, when I'm focused on who he is, then having the capacity to trust him past this moment is something that I can choose. Choosing. When we talk about choosing, many times we think of it in terms of going through a buffet line. We don't have many of these anymore, but when I was in college especially, you'd walk through the line in the college cafeteria and you'd say, I want some of this and I want some of that, but I don't want this and I don't want that. You remember those lines, don't you? Walking through, sliding your tray as you go along. It gave you a sense of power, didn't it? Yes, I'm the master of my, my own realm and I can choose what happens to me, but it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes with our own future, You see, I I was reminded of that just this week as I was making my notes about where we'd been and where I'd been this last year and reminded that, you know, God has carried us through quite a bit. 2024, I don't know if you've noticed, is an election year. He's going to have to carry us through a lot more. Can I focus my heart on who he is? Yes, even with my future. Then God calls Jeremiah and us to be faithful. I know the plans I have for you, he says. And so here's what you're to do. Verse 12, call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll hear you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Hmm. So this moment of faithfulness, it calls me to action. God has made these promises, now he invites me to respond. He invites you to respond. Responding. Some of you, I could hear it from my home last night. You were responding to those Dallas Cowboys last night, weren't you? I wore my Dallas Cowboy tie today. If you were wondering what's on the tie, it's Bugs Bunny. He's pretending to be a Dallas Cowboy. I'm not sure he could do much worse than some of the plays we saw last night. You were encouraging them, weren't you? You were speaking to them. Some of you were doing it sharply. And I don't blame you. Calling 
then is something we know how to do. We just have to direct it properly. Because believe it or not, no matter how hard I tried, they couldn't hear me from my living room. Even if I'd been in the stadium, they wouldn't have listened to me. What does he know? But the calling to faithfulness that God invites us to in verse 12 says, hey, I came looking for you. Get this now. I came passionately looking for you. Now I'm inviting you to return the favor. In this new year, I'll faithfully seek the one who sought me. We say oftentimes, I've decided to follow Jesus. Indeed, that's accurate. Indeed, we have decided to follow Jesus. But my brothers and sisters, beloved family and friends, I want to tell you, it's only because Jesus came looking for me. He sought me long before I could seek him. So in this new year, I'm going to choose to seek him. Why? Because he's sovereign. He's wise. He's loving. He has a plan. He can call me to himself and I can find in him all that I need. This pattern then draws me from the shallow waters of my own thinking into the deep. You remember that? Your first time jumping off the high dive? Into the deep end of the pool? Do you remember what that was like? That feeling of standing on the diving board with your feet firmly fixed, trying to grab the diving board, maybe if you were like me, with your own toes, and the line building up behind you with people saying, hurry up, hurry up. And you look back at them with abject terror and say, if you knew how terrified I was, you'd give me a moment. Can I tell you today, my friends, you can find faithfulness of the God who says, jump and I'll catch you. Jump. Trust me. The plans I have for you are better than the ones you have or yourself. In this new year, I'll remember faithfulness is harder than duty. Duty we know how to do. It's something we're supposed to do. We're even, in some context, required to do. And for those of us like me who are list makers, we have lists for everything. We have a list for this, a list for that. And those lists give us a sense of, of peace and settleness, like we can control things. Hey, I can check this off my list and, and I can move ahead. Can I tell you today, my friends, faithfulness doesn't work that way. You can never get to a place where you check the faithfulness box and say, I'm done. Faithfulness is a marathon, a little bit every day a little bit every day. When I trust God and I continue to seek him and I continue to call on him and I continue to rest in him, then here's what we'll find. It happens a little at a time. This year we celebrated a remarkable anniversary. There's only, as I was working through this, there's only one way to really communicate what that kind of faithfulness looks like. Our friends Dean and Jean Ripito they celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary this year. 75th! I want you to think about that. How many of you are less than 75 years old? Exactly. They were here before you got here. And they're still trucking. And let me tell you, every time I sit down to talk with them, 
I'm blown away by the love that they have for each other. Now, I'm hopeful that my wife will stay with me another day. <laughs> that she doesn't get exasperated with conversations with Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys football team or the Texas Rangers baseball team or whatever I might be talking to on television. The very fact that she stays speaks to her calling to God first and her patience with me. 75 years of that. I want you to think with me about that. What did they see in that 75 years? For those of you who are bad at math, that means they got married in 1948. Harry Truman was president then. 13 Texas governors, 14 presidents, the Korean War, Vietnam, the Civil Rights Movement, the Sexual Revolution, the Jesus Movement, the dot-com revolution, the collapse of the banking industry, the recession of 2008, 9-11. Any one of them might have brought in a fracture in their home, but it didn't. The very fact that both of them are in relatively good health that continue. And so I did a little research and I said, how likely, how often do things like that kind of longevity in a marriage work? Let's pretend there are a thousand couples and that Dean and Jean are among them. That they are one of that thousand. How likely is it percentage-wise that they will survive 75 years? One-tenth of one percent. Friends, that's faithfulness. To keep walking, to keep loving, to keep being patient, to keep trusting, to stay constant. Now, I'm sure if I brought them up here, and I didn't ask their permission to tell this story. I'll get a call from Dean later today, probably, if he's watching this. Darren, next time, warn me. Because they would, not, they would be the first to tell you they're not perfect. But I think they're an ex example of faithfulness that we can follow. Now, for some of us, we didn't have that kind of example growing up. Most of us, if statistics are accurate now, don't have that. How then can we know how to be faithful to God if we can't be faithful to each other? Let us choose today to start a new direction to focus ourselves on being flexible and trusting God with faithfulness. God, I don't know what's around the corner, but I know that my God is already there. Can I tell you today, friends, the promise of verse 14 is where we find ourselves resting. It invites us to be forward-leaning, leaning into our future, Verse 14, let me read it for you one more time. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. I'll restore your fortunes. I'll gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. In this new year, then, I'll remember God's promise is worth leaning on, even in days of difficulty. We know the end of the book. You remember? Uh, we know the end of the book. I have spent the last couple of days, like many of you, finishing up our reading plan. Revelation 19 through 22. We know how it works out. God wins. Jesus is victorious. We gather around him. 
Satan is punished, and we, we, the faithful, not the perfect, not the ones who always have it right, not the ones who are extraordinary in every possible regard, but those who choose to continue to trust God and ask for his forgiveness when they don't. We gather around his throne and worship. We know how it ends up. And that's why we're invited to continue to lean into this promise of I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes. I'll gather you together. I will bring you back in this new year. I'll remember God's promise is worth leaning on even in days of difficulty. Why? Because my God is already there. I can trust him. There are things that I can't tell you about this new year. I don't know what it looks like, but I know this. My God is already there. There will be things that I didn't count on, didn't plan for. It wasn't on my list. But I can trust God because my God is already there. I can rest that he has it all under his control, no matter what situation might arise, because my God is already there. Finally, in this new year, I'll remember God's promise of faithfulness even when I'm far from home. Go back with me now just for a moment to this now and then analogy I used a little while ago. Now, this time, here's where I am. This moment in time is the only one God has given me for this moment and it's the only one that I can use for his purposes. Then, that's Revelation 19 through 22. It's the place where God's going to carry us. He's going to deliver us to. But see, here's the problem. We've got this long expanse of distance between us. This is where, this is where my God already is. He's back here in the now where I am. He's also in the, over here in Revelation 19 to 22, but in this part, too, he is already there. As we start this new year, let us do a couple of things. One, thank him that he's already there. Two, thank him that he's promised to carry us through it, just like he did Jeremiah. Three, rest that it's not up to us to figure out how all these pieces work. Four, thank him when he carries us through. If the Lord doesn't return 366 days since his leap year from now, we'll be back here, gathered together worshiping the Lord and thanking him for his goodness. We'll celebrate how God carried us through 24, and we'll rejoice that God has given us another opportunity to serve him. But before we do that, Let's show that we trust him, even before we know what's around the corner. I want us to do our invitation a little different today, all right? So if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Just maybe, 
you've had a difficult year and you're worried about a new one that's looking just as difficult. If that's you, then I want you to pray something. I want you to pray a prayer of confidence that your God is already there and that his goodness, which has always been running after you, will be enough. Maybe for some of you, this year has been amazing. And I want you to pray a different prayer, a prayer of gratitude that God has given you the fullness of his promise in a a way that isn't because you earned it, but because he chose to give it to you. Thank him for his goodness and his faithfulness. For most of us, we're probably somewhere between those two. If that's you, then I want you to thank God that he's right here with us now, just like he was all year long, and just like he will be all of 2024. Thank him for that. And now for all of us, for all of us, I want to invite you to a prayer of commitment, a prayer of confidence, a prayer of faithfulness that says, because you are already there, God, because you're already there, I choose to trust you in 2024. Even before the year begins, I set my heart my trust, my confidence on you. Jesus, today is a day like none other this year. It's the day that we flip our calendars, Lord, and you know that. You saw this day from January 1st, the last time we were gathered at a moment like this. Lord, we don't know what's ahead for us in this new year, but you do, because you're already there. I pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we begin this new year, we do it with a confidence, confidence that you can take care of us. I pray for those who are broken and hurting, who limped in here today, maybe not physically, but certainly spiritually, needing a word of hope, a word of encouragement, and I pray, God, that you'd give it to them now. I pray, Lord, for those who walked in here today confident that they know what happens in 2024. Show your mercy to them, Lord, for sometimes that's when the slats get kicked out. We trust you today, Lord, no matter which end of the spectrum we're on. Because we know that the now where we are and the then, the end of Revelation, are governed by one thing, and that's you. You're with us in the land between, too. So in this moment, Lord Jesus, we choose you. We choose you. 
I'm grateful, Lord, that you put us here together. So send us out now in that confidence, Jesus, with the strength that only you can provide and the joy that comes from being yours. We're grateful, Jesus, you love us that much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.